it looks like committee member Mueller is on as a attendee. I see that. I just moved him up. Thank you. How's my sound? Can you guys hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Great. Uh, I can't see anybody, but oh yeah, well, there's the screen, sure. Yeah, you sound good. How about me? You sound great. Great. Good evening, everyone. Can you good all hear evening. me? Oh, good. Yep, okay. we can hear you. <laughs> okay, good. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Good. How are you doing, Vice Chair Prezel? Doing well. Can't believe it's Thursday already. <laughs> yes. Has escaped me somehow. Let's see, I have a lot of windows going on here to try and see all these things. <clears throat> the the game of the virtual papers. Yeah, it's crazy sometimes. <laughs> well, I've never heard it called that before, but I like it. <laughs> like when you have a bunch of papers on your desk and you're trying to yeah, shuffle through. Shuffling through them. You need two or three screens, really. That's that's the best way. I have two right now and it doesn't seem like enough. Yeah. <laughs> I have two and some paper copies. Which, <laughs> yeah, it's not enough. I might have an issue. I forgot my charging cable at work. Uh -oh. So hopefully my computer doesn't die, but oh, I can no. always rejoin on my phone, which is okay. would be unfortunate, unfortunate, but it, it might happen depending on how long we go. Okay, good to know. If you cut out, we'll just wait for you. Thank you. Hey, Vice Chair Brazil, it looks like we're all here, so we can begin whenever you would like. Okay, give me one minute here. I just Absolutely. Sure I have the actual agenda. Which is here. Okay. All right, good evening and welcome to the Thursday, October 21st, 2021 regular meeting of the Historic Preservation Committee. Madam Clerk, can you please call roll? Yes, committee member Mueller. 
Here. Vice Chair Purcell. Here. Committee Member Soriano. Here. Roll is complete. Thank you. Thank you. This is the time. This is public communications. The time we set aside for public communication to talk about any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Madam clerk, is there anyone who would like to speak to us on any item not on the agenda? No, nobody has requested to speak on an item not on the agenda. Okay, great. Um, we can then move on to our consent items. Consent item number 1 approval of the historic preservation committee. July 8th, 2021 meeting minutes. Did anybody have any changes to the minutes? Seeing any from any committee members. So I will make a motion to approve the historic preservation committee July 8th, 2021 meeting minutes. Second. Can I can we have a roll call, please? Or can I do both? Can I do the next one as well? You can take all the consent items together, yes. Okay, so well then, did anyone have any comments on the August 19th, 2021 meeting minutes? And seeing none, I will make a motion to approve both the July 8th and the August 19th, 2021 meeting minutes. I can second that one. And can we please have a roll call? Committee Mil sorry, committee member Mueller. Yes. Committee member Soriano. Yes. Vice Chair Purcell. Yes. The motion passes. Okay. And with that, I believe we will move on to our informational item number three, project 15322, permit streamlining ordinance amendment citywide. Um, and I believe we have a staff presentation. Yes. Thank you and good evening HPC members. Uh, I'm presenting the proposed changes to the historic preservation regulations and processes uh, as part of a city council goal to streamline the development review process. Next slide, please. So why are we doing streamlining? Uh, basically, it starts uh, with the matrix report. This was a consultant report that council funded uh, and received in 2019, and it concluded that uh, the process had a lot of room for improvement to make it more efficient and 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 effective. Uh, as written in the as noted in the written staff report, there was no one group that was um, the cause of the process being in the state. It was really a combination of uh, every part of the process. Next slide. The matrix report called for streamlining. There's a lot of text for a slide, but this is text straight out of the matrix report. Uh, called for staff to propose ordinance amendments to simplify the process and reconsider retaining DRC, HPC, or reduce their scope. Matrix report also called out the five-day process, uh, the 30-year, 40-year threshold, uh, and suggested more historic actions should be approved at staff level and overall 
on the last bullet that the director should expand the type of applications that are re reviewed administratively. Next slide. So why does the process need to change? I think one reason, it, the first is that uh, uh, didn't work to council's satisfaction before, which is why they paid to have a consultant do a report. Um, we also cannot afford to do things the same way that we have done in the past. Uh, our staffing is very similar to the other larger cities in the county, uh, but we're the only one with a citywide design board and, and uh, historic board. Oxnard has a recommending uh, design board for one area and uses the county board for recommendations on historic preservation. Santa Barbara has many boards, uh, but they also have four times as much staff per capita. Uh, every item that goes to a hearing, every referral to a board, uh, that takes an amount of staff time. Uh, and then you add in the fact that we are updating the general plan, uh, working on our housing element. There needs to, to update various regulations and set up better systems. Uh, all of that takes staff capacity as well. Uh, then there's the day-to-day -day building permit applications, planning applications and such. We can't possibly do all of those things well with with the resources we have. So the question is, do we want to just do the tasks or do we want to find ways to do them well? And streamlining is trying to find a way to set up a system that retains the DRC and HPC for the projects that matter, uh, working with the staff that we currently have. Next slide. So Matrix said to do the ordinance to simplify the process in early 2020. Uh, well, we didn't expect COVID. So uh, instead of a full-blown ordinance, we did a trial run with an emergency streamlining ordinance or, or ESO. Council adopted that in May, 2020 and extended it in April, 2021. And several of the slides shown uh, this evening are from the April council meeting. The main themes, that came out of the first year of, of emergency streamline was to uh, have projects with that needed multiple hearings uh, to still go to those hearings, but to have a single decision maker. And there are many legal reasons for that. Um, ironically, there's a 2002 council resolution that said to do this that doesn't appear was ever implemented uh, un until emergency streamlining came along. Uh, also, part of emergency streamlining is we shifted more minor applications to administrative processes following the matrix recommendation. Uh, admittedly, this affected DRC far more than it affected HPC. And then lastly, we shifted HPC, DRC and HPC to a recommending body and uh, thereby adjusting their scope. Um, and the main reason for that is because checks and balances were needed. Uh, based on the events that led to the creation of the matrix report. And while all the members of the HVC today were not those members who were part of the hearings that caused the events that led to the matrix report, uh, the board itself and the processes um, um, are being looked at for that reason. And the results of emergency streamlining has been very positive uh, with changes in staffing and department leadership, changes in the board membership, and the stream, streamlining provisions, uh, we've proven that the process can work well with the DRC and HPC still involved in major projects. Next slide. 
So I'm going to touch very briefly on the legal issues. Uh, I'm going to talk more about it on a diagram. Um, there's issues with piecemeal decision making, potential for double appeals and duplicative CEQA determinations that existed in our prior process. Next slide. Oh, this was supposed to animate, but anyway, uh, the pre-ESO had, uh, you'd apply for an application, you go through an internal review process, uh, and we are very honest in saying the internal review process and the lack of staff coordination was the main bottleneck in projects. Um, once there's a complete application, SQL would be finalized and it would a uh, project could go to HPC for a final review. An example of this would have been, uh, would be any project that is uh, uh, adjacent to or on a site that has a historic resource. Uh, HPC would take a final action on the design review. Uh, that would be the first time there'd be a public notice. Uh, and then the other part of the project, normally either a coastal development permit or a plan development permit, would go to either a planning commission hearing or an admin hearing. Uh, one of the problems in the past uh, is that uh, projects would often have to go to those hearings multiple times. Uh, some of that, I believe, was based on uh, not enough staff preparation on the staff reports and recommendations. Um, but that was the pre-streamlining process and with emergency streamlining and with what is proposed in, in the permanent streamlining ordinance, the application still comes in, uh, still goes through internal review. We're, we're doing better at that, but it is still uh, a bottleneck that we're working with other departments on improving. Uh, we've introduced a notice at this point, uh, far in advance of any uh, time people would be noticed in the process prior to emergency streamlining. And then the HPC uh, sees the project before the CEQA is completely finalized, makes a recommendation. Uh, this also allows a hearing to be held sooner in the process than would have otherwise happened. And then uh, the final decision on all of aspects of the project go to either the planning commission or to a, a staff level hearing. So with the, with the prior process, uh, there's potential for double appeals. There's potential for the two different bodies to make sequel determinations that may conflict. Uh, and there's just the challenge of if HBC uh, holds a hearing on the final, the final hearing on design review of a project affecting a resource, and a member of the public comes to the planning commission hearing and wants to talk about the design, uh, we would have to tell that person, sorry, that's already been decided at a prior hearing and uh, we can't do anything about it. All three of those uh, legally concerning issues are taken care of with the permanent streamlining ordinance. Next slide. These are examples of actual cases that went through the emergency streamlining process. Um, only one of them involved the HPC because only one of these involved a resource. Uh, and that's Anacapa Courts that had uh, had the top hat building at the corner, uh, and HPC received a recommendation from DRC on the design review. HPC uh, would normally have made a final decision, but in, because of streamlining, made a recommendation to the Planning Commission. And on this project, HPC actually uh, had quite a few comments on the mitigation measures uh, that were being proposed. Uh, all of those were incorporated into the CEQA document that Planning Commission adopted. Uh, and so 
basically on Anacapa Core, it's basically everything DRC recommended and HPC recommended um, um, carried through in, into the final action. Next slide. Now let's go into the specific changes uh, in the ordinances being talked about tonight. Uh, first, uh, which I believe is an easy one, uh, is the designation and removal of a resource uh, before streamlining. Uh, the application would first go to HPC, uh, it would then go to Planning Commission, and it would then go to Council. Uh, there was also something in there that if HPC said no, then it had to be appealed to PC, and if PC said no, it had to be appealed to Council. With uh, emergency streamlining and permanent streamlining, the approach would be it goes to HPC, HPC makes a recommendation, whether yay or nay, it goes to Council and Council makes a final decision. Planning Commission is taken out of the process. Uh, because HPC, you are the body that has the historic experience uh, and council is the final decision maker. So it didn't really seem necessary to have another hearing in between. Next slide. Next is the makeup of the board. Uh, the existing ordinance language is on the left. Uh, some proposed changes are on the right. Uh, we'd like HPC input on this. Um, clearly the goal, maintain five members, uh, and this goes along with a council um, policy consideration that was adopted um, the 11th of October uh, to look at the at the makeup of the boards uh, because currently and really for the last two years, there hasn't been a licensed architect. Uh, and so suggestion is to uh, Kind of expand on it. Maybe it doesn't need to be a licensed architect, but more members that are part of either the design aspect, the construction aspect, or the management aspect uh, of, uh, of a resource. And if, if we have two members that are design professionals or in that in that realm, uh, then uh, only one member would be a layperson. Uh, but there would still be the option for council to have a layperson on the board. Next slide. It's another one with too much text, but this is the literal ordinance language um, for historic design review. Uh, the intent is that any development uh, that uh, is on a site or near a site that has a, a landmark will have historic design review. Um, the, that review will be based on the Secretary of Interior Standards, uh, with one exception um, being that uh, ADUs are going to have to go through its own process based on new state laws. And at this point, the ADU ordinance is still being worked on, so I don't have the exact section number to refer to, but uh, once we get that, uh, those pound signs will be replaced. So, again, Everything will go through historic design review. Some will be staff level and some will be at, will go to the HPC. Uh, after reviewing uh, each proposal against the standards, there are gonna be some that are gonna be quite clear that there's no impact. Um, this might just be 10% of the items, but there will be some. Uh, subsection B states, any development that's determined may have an impact. So this is, in my example, the other 90% uh, will go to the HPC. Uh, so it's 
the, the two words are very uh, important. We don't, staff doesn't have to determine there's an impact. We only have to believe there may be one, and then we shall send it to HPC. So we think that gives uh, very clear language that uh, unless it's a case where it is very clear there's no impact, uh, then HPC will be looking at it. Next slide. Now, this is what I believe is going to be the hardest item because it's the most complicated. Um, and it is arguably not even an ordinance issue as much as a procedural issue. Uh, the ordinance already says that um, um, that the city can ask for historic resource assessments, not just that we can, that we that we we need to uh, uh, on sites over 40 years old. Uh, and we are going to have that new historic design review process uh, when it is determined a site is a potential resource. But then the question becomes, how do we determine this? I thought I amended this slide. So I'm going to describe a slide that isn't before you anymore. Or, um, in the staff report, there were four items, uh, four choices of until the survey is done and it is underway and until the historic ordinance is updated, how do we make the call on whether a formal historic resource assessment is needed or not? And the four options in the staff report um, are one, uh, have a planner on staff that is trained to do that. Uh, two, have to develop procedures. In the staff report, I had a mis, uh, I mistyped. It's not development procedures, it's uh, develop procedures. Uh, work with a consultant to get procedures for that staff can use to determine when to require an assessment. Uh, if we did go down that path, we would bring those procedures to HPC for, for input. Uh, the third is to use a consultant to fill the role HPC uh, has done in the five-day process. And then the last, if none of those are going to have the results that we need uh, in this kind of stopgap era, then just continue the five-day process, uh, sending HPC the information uh, to solicit input on whether more analysis is needed. As this is procedural, this is not going to go in the ordinance, uh, but it is going to be something that uh, we'll be working with with uh, a consultant on getting advice on which approach to take, and we will come back to the HPC uh, with with the uh, with the process that that we're going to be using. Next slide. This is the process for the ordinance amendment uh, itself. Um, HPC is seeing the parts that affect historic preservation. There are other parts. Uh, the DRC saw the part that affected design review. Uh, last night, uh, the Planning Commission on the 3rd of November is going to see uh, all of the other parts of, of the ordinance changes. Uh, Want to note for people who have been paying attention to the dates, uh, at one point, the planning commission meeting was expected to be on October 27th. Just want to be very clear. Uh, there is going to be a meeting on the 27th, but streamlining is not going to be on it. That's going to be a special meeting on November 3rd. It will then go to city council in, in September. And then we will have to. 
file a local coastal program amendment, an LCP amendment with the Coastal Commission uh, in order to have the new zoning processes apply uh, citywide uh, to the coastal zone parts of the city. Uh, if we didn't do that, then we would have a different process in the coastal zone than in the rest of the city. And uh, we believe that would be a major issue. Uh, the date that the emergency ordinance will expire uh, is May 18th, 2022. And therefore, all these time frames are based on having enough time to get the Coastal Commission's action uh, on the council's eventual uh, ordinance that they adopt. Next slide. So in closing, I uh, want to talk about what, what's the point of streamlining uh, more in simple English terms as opposed to ordinance language and, and such. Uh, it's intended to address legal issues with the prior process. Uh, I noted some of them, uh, the, staff, the written staff report also talks about uh, legal concerns with the five-day process. Uh, it's intended to have DRC review all major projects. It's intended to have HPC review all changes to identified or potential historic resources. Uh, it's intended to get the most out of the available resources that we have. Um, adding staff is always an option. It's very costly and the city has a lot of costs that they're facing. Uh, and so we're trying to be as efficient as possible. Uh, it's also intended to meet industry standards and timelines. Admittedly, this is less applicable to the historic preservation changes and more applicable to the general development um, and then also to support investment in the community. Uh, again, this is more, in my view, applicable to the regular development process, less so to the historic part of it. And what it's not intended to do, it is not intended that we're gonna accept poorly designed projects uh, and rush them through a hearing process. It's also, it's not intended to allow any historic resources to be lost. And by lost, uh, it means altered in a manner that the resource isn't there. So it's not just that it might be demoed, but if a change is proposed that should be looked at, uh, the, the intent of the ordinance is to make sure it's looked at. So it's not a question of whether we are gonna do design review or historic preservation. Uh, we certainly are, uh, we, we need to, it's, it's, um, it's valuable. With the streamlining ordinance, we can do it with the boards that we have, uh, even though we still won't, we'll still be at the same staffing levels as most of our neighbors, and we're never gonna get the staffing levels of Santa Barbara, uh, streamlining will let us still use the DRC and HPC uh, for the key, uh, key cases that we need them for. Next slide. So while technically in the ordinance, HPC does not have any formal authority to make a recommendation on any of these changes, we still have brought all of them to you uh, and are asking for your feedback. Uh, that feedback will be passed on to Planning Commission and Council, and we will take them under consideration as well as we finalize our recommendations uh, to both Planning Commission and Council. So with that, um, uh, appreciate your time and I'm available for any questions. Thank you, Mr. Gilly, for your presentation. Um, do we have, so our agenda is for just looking at the schedule. So we will ask questions of staff, then we will do public comment, close public comment, and then provide comments and feedback to staff. So do any committee members have any questions of staff? 
uh, committee member Mueller. Thank you. Um, you know, there was an attachment uh, to this that uh, had a lot of color coded ordinance changes. Things were crossed out and and in different colors. Um, and I just have a question about one of them, and it may be that uh, I just need to be uh, situated as to as to where it uh, appears in the uh, in the rest of uh, the ordinances, and and that has to do with uh, the uh, establishment of a historic district. Let's see if I can find it. Um, yeah, Article Nine. And this this turns out it's under Chapter twenty four point four five five Historic Pres Preservation Regulations Article nine, which is on page twenty of of the attachment, uh, and it's all crossed out. It's in orange, and it's Section twenty four point four five five point nine one zero recommendation by Historic Preservation Committee, and it goes on uh, to state that upon receiving an application to establish a historic district. The Historic Preservation Committee shall hold a public hearing where it will review the descriptive materials, proposed uh, architectural and development guidelines, and all the other exhibits, uh, et cetera, for, for establishing an historic overlay zone. And then after a public hearing, the committee determines if the application meets the requirements. And so it, it puts in the HPC's hands some, some review and approval of, of anything like an historic district. And, and that's just now removed. Uh, and I'm wondering if it's, if it's redundant, it appears elsewhere or, or what the uh, reason for removing it might be. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if you look at section 24, 210, uh, up in article two. Okay. Uh, that used to be called designating the landmark slash point of interest. We added the district there. Okay, and then, and then we added the line of uh, ap uh, application for all of those type of things, landmark point of interest or district has to have enough information for districts will require the proposed architectural development standards, which was taken from that other section, just moved up here. And then, yes, it says the historic preservation committee will review applications for the designation of landmarks, points of interest and districts at a public hearing and then shall make a recommendation. So, so. Yes, that section's deleted, uh, but we believe all of the content and meaning uh, was transferred up. Uh, HPC would any designation or removal of landmark point of interest or district would always come to Deers. Deers, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm remembering last night. We'll come to HPC uh, at a public hearing. Okay, well that makes sense. It consolidates this into a place where. The rest of the uh, items that are similar appear, and uh, and this is just redundant. Um, I think that's going to be important because I would expect with a new survey, there's going to be a lot of discussion about new historic districts. So uh, it's important, I think, that uh, we still have uh, some purview on that. Any other questions of staff? I have a few. Uh, go ahead, yeah. committee member Soriano. Sorry, um, I'm. This might be a little. It, it doesn't matter anyway. What is the city's commitment to hiring a um, historic preservation or a planner that has historic a historic preservation background? 
I, at this point, all of the, the all the four options that I listed as how we would handle kind of the stopgap of knowing which things to ask for a, a, a formal assessment, um, all of those are going to be pursued. Uh, my expectation is that council is not going to authorize a, an extra person. Uh, we do have one member of our staff that is fairly familiar with historic processes, uh, but my overall preference organizationally is not to rely on a single individual when you're a small as a team as we have. So my preference will be for one of the other three. Uh, either we develop procedures that are clear enough that all the planners can use them, uh, or we use a consultant or continue the five-day process. We're not ruling out that we go with with the planner route, but um, um, at this point, my guess is if we go that route, we will be uh, using the staff member we currently have. Could we have a combination of those processes? Yes. Yes. I think that's it for now. Okay, great. Um... I have a few. Um, so the objective for tonight is for us just to provide feedback on. On the changes, is that correct? Yes, okay. Um, and then. Will our recommendations be. For like, we'll go with. Um, with you to planning commission and to city council. They will be presented. I mean, will you be making changes to your recommendations potentially based on feedback, or will you just be providing our recommendations um, independently of your recommendations? I guess my question is. That's going to depend. Okay. Uh, we the the first part is uh, any recommendations that occur uh, from HPC. Uh, we've we've got recommendations from interest groups and stuff, uh, we are we are adjusting uh, for uh, all of those type of recommendations that we think align with where, where council wants to go. Uh, if there are changes that we don't recommend, then we would simply, we wouldn't put them in the orders, but we would say, this group said this, and okay. here's, here's why. So um, I'm gonna try to let you know if I think it's something that we're going to put in or not, because the things that we might not put in I'll ask you for more explanation so that I can convey that to planning commission and council why you wanted those those type of changes. Okay. Um, okay, that makes sense. Um, do changes to an ordinance like this, um, so an ordinance update like this wouldn't have to go through CEQA itself. Is that no? An ordinance update is examined under CEQA. Okay. Uh, the planning commission uh, report is going to include the CEQA determina uh, determination, and uh, we are going to be using an exemption because, based on our uh, look at all of the regulations and consultation with the attorney's office, none of these will actually change anything on the ground. They change processes. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so, at this point, our expectation is a sequel exemption. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And then I did also have the question that committee member Soriano asked about 
about adding staff. I was just curious. I mean, in general, it seems like even more than just a preservation professional, it seems like the staffing is an issue in general. So I was just curious if that was something city council, I mean, if they're considering bringing on more staff in, in general, um, which I'm sure is always being considered, but it seems like it's a concern. So I, I was just, I basically had the same question as committee member Soriano, which you, you answered earlier. Um, if, if I could add on to it, because I just remembered another aspect. Um, we have open open um, open recruitments for three positions still. Is that right, Nettie? We're at three. Um, there have been some candidates that have come forward that have some historic preservation experience, and some have uh, very good, you know, design review experience. Some environmental. We're not. If if we if candidates come forward and have that, and uh, they end up being top candidate, and we can work work out a, a, a come to an agreement on an offer and such. If we aren't, we aren't avoiding bringing, you know, people on who had that expertise. Uh, it's just a case of, um, I, I don't believe based on the challenges that council is going to be facing this upcoming budget year with staffing needs from a lot of groups uh, that we're going to get another planner. Uh, doesn't mean we won't, but um, it's not likely. In my okay, thank you. Um, another question I had was, are we considering, because I know we talked about this at, at past meetings potentially. So this, this, these recommendations are aimed at mainly streamlining, right? So are we also considering a general historic preservation ordinance update that is more focused on, you know, resource centric, like actual historic preservation in the city at any time. I believe we've talked about this in the past. Mm -hmm. Is that something yeah. that's still being considered? Uh, it's, it's my hope that once the citywide survey is completed uh, for um, the next year to ask council to fund kind of a wholesale update to all of our historic ordinances and uh, criteria procedures to bring Bring the whole program um, kind of up up to what uh, up to what it should be. Yeah. Okay. And also, the next agenda item uh, is going to be talking about goals, and uh, those are also also something we'll be forwarding on uh, what the boards wanted, and so that could be something HPC adds uh, as a request for council. Yeah, I guess I just, my concern is that if he's, well, I, I just wonder how much of a support there will be to do that once these changes are already integrated, but, um, okay. It's good to know that that's still being considered. Um, well, I mean, st staff will be saying it's needed. Okay. Uh, whether council chooses to fund it, but we'll be saying it's needed really. Okay. There, there, there really isn't a single part of what community development is doing that doesn't need to be updated. That's pretty much top to bottom. Okay. Um, my last question is, um, it seems like the timeline, what was the timeline? This is going to city council in December, is that correct? Yes. 
So the timeline is pretty quick on like integrating any recommendations that you receive and things like that. I'm wondering if there is an opportunity to have a consultant review the changes and the potential, you know, how like really analyze how what potential effects there are on historical resources is is it is there an opportunity for that to happen within this time frame? I mean, I believe so. I believe okay. so. And, and uh, I have spoken to HRG about uh, all of these proposed changes, uh, and I, I put a note to that in the report. Uh, but I think the idea of getting them to um, sit down and look through the actual text, uh, I believe we can easily do that before the meeting on, uh, on on December 6th. Okay, and have some kind of maybe recommendation for like kind of like a peer review, real like a recommendation mm -hmm. input from them. Okay, okay. All right, those were all of my questions. Did any committee members have anything else? Any member Soriano? So, um, Mr. Gilly, I think you had said we are not a voting body, but just a recommending body. Is that correct? That we're just providing That's, feedback? It's just that on this topic, you don't have formal authority, uh, but if, if, uh, if you, agreed upon feedback to give staff and, and and voted on that motion. So it's not that you can't vote on something. It's just that it it would it would be feedback, not not a formal thing. But as as I said, we are looking to make this work. And so good feedback is going to be put in. Uh, and by good is like mm -hmm. balancing cost resources and uh and 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 and, uh, and and the effect, but like the idea of the peer review, um, please put that into your motion. We're, I think we can do that, and, and 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 we'd be happy to. Yeah, I would support the peer review also. Um, I also, we only received the report on Monday, and I don't feel like I had enough time to really dig in and wrap my head around this. Um, is there any way we can do we have to make the recommendations tonight? Uh, if you want planning commission to hear your recommendations, then you would have to make them tonight. Um, really, any member of the public board member that gives us input on this ordinance between now and and um, and December 6th, we're going to be listening uh, because it's a legislative action. It's not quasi judicial. It's okay for everybody to be talking about this inside of hearings, outside of hearings and such. So all that communication is fine. Uh, so if, if if even if you had a full week to look at and you thought of something after the meeting, uh, and this is one of those cases where it's perfectly fine to reach out and say, hey, can you think about doing this? And, you know, we're happy to look at any of those things. That's great. That's good to know. Thank you. Uh, Committee member Mueller. Well, I have uh, three uh, recommendations or formal inputs, uh, and I expect we'll be doing that after public comment. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I would think you'd want that in writing and you'd want it this evening is if, if my timing is is correct on what I've heard. If you want it to be reported to planning commission for them to consider, uh, then having it tonight is 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 important. Uh, 
but if if it's a change that you don't think of until after planning commission sees it again you know please pass it on but if you have it to share tonight yeah that's 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 optimal okay my question on that is more procedural just if we have to make a motion i guess we can talk about that when we get to it but so our recommendations will be forwarded to planning commission that only those that are in a motion or just are you going to summarize our recommendations and provide them to planning commission well when we get to that part of the meeting okay. we'll, we'll help you through we did the same thing with with drc as, as we were going through the things that they want to talk about and uh we did some note taking and reading back of, of of what we took down uh in order to make sure the benefit of any feedback you come to come uh you agree upon uh, as a board tonight is you as a board are saying this uh whereas anything you you pass on later you as an individual are are saying it okay but a good idea is a good idea no matter who it comes from yes okay um any any other committee members have questions of staff and if not i believe we are ready to move on to public comment uh madam clerk are there any members of the public who would like to speak on this item yes there are we'll start with wendy sauter i'll be unmuting her and her three minutes will begin when she has concluded her time robert guthrie will be next Wendy, you've been unmuted. Good evening, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Great, thank you. Good evening. I would like to thank each of you for your dedication to Ventura and the volunteer hours that you generously give the residents. You are a critical part of our community. Tonight, you're being asked to make a crucial decision regarding historic preservation and streamlining. I watched a presentation last night that was given to the members of the design review committee. One of the members stated that there was so much information, he felt he was being rushed to make a decision. He had many questions and felt that he should have had more time to review what was being asked. I feel the same thing is happening to your committee tonight. Historic preservation is complicated. It seems that at the very least, the HRG should be hired to review and recommend how this ordinance is written. If you have more questions or if your questions are not answered tonight, there's nothing wrong with either not endorsing the recommendation or postponing your decision. Your time and expertise is valued by the public. We have very little history left in Ventura. We need to be careful not to expedite ordinances without thorough review. The city hired HRG to do a citywide survey as well as general plan preservation element. So it seems they should be hired to help with this ordinance. Please, at the very minimum, make a motion to hire an expert to review and create the proper language for any changes. Thank you again for all you do for Ventura and thank you for considering this option. Hey, Robert Guthrie, followed by Shanna Taylor. Robert, you've been unmuted. Hello, can you hear me? We sure can. Oh, sorry. A little technical glitch here. 
Uh, I'd like to start tonight by saying that the vast majority of interest citizens rely greatly on your roles and expertise to protect our many historical resources. What you do is essential, and I really appreciate your time and effort. I read the staff report for tonight and found the proposals very complicated. I don't think my experience puts me in a position to comment on them specifically. What I would like to talk about is the general idea of making things better. The report says Google defines streamlining as making an organization or system more efficient and more effective. In order to be better, what is being proposed needs to not only be faster, but also be at least as good as what it will replace. I am familiar with lean manufacturing and lean enterprise. Most companies use this process. At its roots, the goal is elimination of waste. To do so, it focuses on eliminating non-value-added steps in a process. Under no circumstance does it propose minimizing or eliminating value-added steps. So at their cores, streamlining and lean have the same goals. I question if anything being proposed tonight minimizes or eliminates the value-added steps the HPC provides in protecting our historical resources. It's your challenge to determine this. As I opened with, the citizens of Ventura rely greatly on your roles and expertise. What you provide are clearly critical value-added steps. Hopefully tonight's proposal is far less complicated to you than it is to me. Please take all the time you need, including delaying a decision and or getting other experts to analyze the proposals before agreeing to something that will have a long-term impact on our city. Thank you for your time. Shanna Taylor, you've been unmuted. You may begin speaking. Ventura's planning department has many vacancies and no requirement that some subset of our planners have historic preservation credentials. We rely on citizens and paid consultants to provide historic preservation experience. But laws have changed. We need to modernize our use of the HPC to be in line with California law. This should be separate and apart from streamlining to speed up the permitting process and the, with the possible exception of moving HPC review much earlier in the permitting process so those submitting new projects have an understanding early on how on-site or adjacent historic resources will impact their plans. Modernizing our use of the HPC needs to happen concurrently with improving the permitting process. The planning staff canceled 72% of all Historic Preservation Committee meetings in 2020 and 2021, 31 of 43 meetings canceled. However, in 2018 and 2019, only 31% were canceled. At the October City Council meeting, Council asked, was that true and why did that happen? The staff replied that there was not enough staff support to support the HPC meeting, so staff made the decision to cancel those meetings. HPC work was put off as a staff resource saving strategy. This 2020-2021 change in procedures around the HPC illustrates the elephant in the room. Historic preservation requires planning department resources that don't pay themselves for themselves today. The payback is years in the future. 
In a model where projects that are billable get action, historic preservation just doesn't fit. It is a resource drain because the payback is the legacy created by the, by the preservation. I have four requests as you proceed with your streamlining project. One, please move HPC review earlier in the permitting process. Two, please develop a process where HPC is leveraged for their skill sets within, concurrent, within current California law. Three, please make sure they continue to be an open window for the public to comment on items that come to the planning department that impact historic preservation, including reporting out on decisions made by staff without HPC input. And four, since we do not require some subset of our planners to have historic preservation credentials, please run the streamlining plan by a trusted historic preservation consulting firm and share and integrate their input before creating a final ordinance. Thank you. Next, I'll be unmuting Sherry Schaefer, who's indicated she wishes to cede her time to someone else. Sherry, you've been unmuted. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, this is Sherry Schaefer. I would like to cede my time to Stephen Schaefer. Thank you. All right, very good. Stephen, you've been unmuted. You have six minutes. Thank you very much. I am speaking on behalf of the San Buena Ventura Conservancy, as this is definitely something that the Conservancy has a lot of um, interest in. Um, just out of, to get this technical aspect out of the way, um, the ordinance change is a project under CEQA, and um, the legal team can take a look at Musi Ranch versus Solano, Solano County Airport case law, and that the streamlining ordinance changes, the changes themselves have the potential to have environmental impacts. So they really should be looked at in a um, CEQA scoping document. So um, what we've done in this process is we've moved a lot of the discretion to the director. And so if you look at the areas of the ordinance that have been lined out, um, there is discretion given to the director without specific guardrails in place. And um, that moves CEQA review and historic review to one man without any oversight in political darkness, because those decisions are not in public. And as Shauna mentioned, I'm not sure they're going to be reported out to you. Uh, no one except the director and the applicant will know the discretion has been made. So here faster is clearly not better. Um, and if we go back to Peter's process slides, uh, where he's talking about um, how the process works in the system, you'll see that the process slides show the HPC is still sort of at the end of the process. The HPC ordinance could be improved, and all parties could agree that it improves historic preservation, and the public could get on board with that. Archaeological protections, um, could be improved while removing bottlenecks in the review process. The proposed changes that are before us today do not improve those protections, and they in fact reduce certain protections. Projects will take longer because consultant review will be required um, as part of this system. Now, Peter mentioned that in 2002, the city council asked, you know, that streamlining like this would be done. But I mean, I don't know that that is, that it, that is um, a really good example, since in 2002, the Mayfair Theater had not yet been demolished and there was not a historic preservation reckoning in the city of Ventura. Um, the Conservancy has since stepped up and a lot of actions, specific plans, 
and even general plans have been made that that really talk about how the Historic Preservation Committee is important. So going back into the past and, and saying this is what 12 councils ago wanted, um, I don't think is a, is a good barometer for what we expect today in the city. I think that Native American cultural resources are not addressed in this uh, emergency streamlining ordinance and sites and outcroppings, uh, as you can see, have been removed and, and lined out, uh, probably because the staff did not realize that those are um, specific to Archeo and Native American. And in a world where we're trying to be more equitable, that's probably not a good idea, reducing the protections without adding new ar archeological thresholds. The Historic Preservation Ordinance does not, uh, sorry, does need updating. Um, the downtown specific plan uh, talked about how it needed updating and the uh, West Side plan talked about how it needed updating and actually gave recommendations. I'm not sure if those were followed. The State Office of Historic Preservation has a whole um, clearinghouse of potential ordinance improvements that can be used as best practices, but I'm not sure those were referred to either. So please bring in a qualified consultant to help craft a new historic preservation ordinance um, for both a combination of a greatly streamlined process and greater protections. In review, don't remove protections for perceived speed. Hire a qualified consultant to craft a better historic preservation ordinance and then bring it back to the HPC, not the Planning Commission on November 6th. That is too soon because you won't have a, any idea of what HRG says. Don't reduce archaeological protections without adding new archaeological language. Use the qualified consultants who are doing the citywide survey and the preservation um, ordinance revision currently. They are the ones who are using this language every day. Prioritize historic preservation experience in the hiring of new replacement planning staff. The Historic Preservation Committee should make a clear statement that these major changes are a start but not ready for the recommendation to Planning Commission without their peer review. And the ability for the Historic Preservation Committee to endorse a Planning Commission uh, suggestion or a Planning Commission action uh, without being asked to see the results of what the consultant sees, I think is, is, is way too soon and way too fast. So let's be certain that it protects historic and cultural resources. Let's be certain that it improves the process um, without you know, becoming an adverse impact under CEQA. Because I'm worried that we are making an outdated 1980s historic preservation ordinance into a faster 1980s historic preservation ordinance. When we have the opportunity right now to say, hold on a minute, we can make this a 2020s ordinance um, that uses best practices statewide um, we have the momentum, we need a little bit more time to get the HPC involved, um, to get a consultant involved, and to, and to really craft something that is, is worthy uh, of the protection. I mean, we have 40,000 structures in the city of Ventura, and about four to 500 of them are potentially historic. And maybe another four to 500 of them um, are potentially in districts. We'll know that when we get the citywide survey back, but we're still talking about less than 1% of the city. So it's a very historic city. I understand Peter's consternation about hiring a dedicated planner, but that planner can at the same time, you know, be reviewing other things. Those planners are not um, myopic robots that only do preservation. So I th thank you. Your time has concluded.
Next on our speaker list, we have Matt Bellow. Matt, you've been unmuted. Your time will begin now. Yes, yes. Can people hear me? Yes. <clears throat> okay. I just wanted to log in and really um, talk to the uh, the commission and and really say that I'm or the committee, excuse me, and really say that I appreciate your hard work and your expertise. And I felt that you were diminished to being mere layman volunteers in the recent city council meeting. I felt like many council members didn't review uh, your your entire discussion on the last project. And I just want you to know that I've been talking with a lot of my neighbors, a lot of the a lot of my community and and we have your back and unfortunately we have to be louder and make sure that more of our community understands that i think that um much of what peter gilly is saying i understand peter gilly is under a lot of pressure you know i i heard him mention a few months ago that santa barbara has 39 planners and we have eight and we're supposed to have 12. i believe those were the numbers um we're not santa barbara but you know we are a historic city and I love Oxnard. I love the people of Oxnard, but um, we're not Oxnard, and we have much more to preserve than Oxnard. And I have many, very, I have many issues with the way that Oxnard has developed over the years. So um, I don't want to compare us to really any uh, very many cities in in Ventura County. You know, I I find us to be a unique jewel that should be shared by the entire county, and that we really need to come up with policies to preserve that. So um, I'm here to share my support. Um, it also, to me, seems very rushed. We're essentially looking at moving more power to a staff that's already saying they don't have time to do a good job, and that just seems completely ridiculous to me. Um, Peter Gilley has said many things that just haven't come to fruition. I remember two years ago watching one of the, the HOPE committee meetings, him saying that inclusionary housing would be changed with the housing element, um, and then we approved the housing element just now without inclusionary housing. And he said that we could add the rental programs after a lot of research. Then he told the council later on, we only have to add two words to that. So I understand the man's under a lot of pressure right now. He's understaffed and everything, but I'm not, I don't feel confident at all with giving him more power to make decisions right now until the city really uh, considers that there's a lack of resources within his department and that, and that more resources need to be put in there. So, Everybody on this call so far is much more of an expert in historic preservation than I am, but I am a Venturian. I care about my community, and I'm here to work with anyone. So, please reach out and uh, let's let's make sure that we we let people know that our history is valued and that we move forward from there. So, thank you guys so much, and uh, I'll shut up. Bye. Our next speaker is Casey Wysoski. Casey, you've been unmuted. You may begin speaking. Hello, um, I I came to this meeting tonight. Um, I, I've been wanting to come to some of the meetings. Um, I, I'm having trouble finding public access. I'm not really sure how everyone else knew how to get here without asking a lot of people. Um, when I was looking, at the um, the streamlining permitting process, uh, I was noticing, and I could be because I just saw this tonight, so I could be um, wrong about this. But it seems like they were taking out um, some public 
review time towards the beginning, or at least an extra review from the HPC at the beginning. And um, I just wanted to let you guys know that the the public does care, and um, it would be nice to have input. And it does kind of seem like HPC should be earlier on in the permitting process. Um, when I went to the neighborhood council meetings recently um, and the city council meetings, everyone kept talking about um, a small town feel. And when we were talking about, you know, new projects, and I think historic preservation is like a key to that small town feel and um, what makes Ventura great. And um, so I guess, um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to put that in there and, um, I'm, I'm also like a little confused on there being it being short staffed. And, um, I mean, I, I reached out and sent an email and, and asked to be a part of the committee. And I was told that being on the side of conservation meant that I might not be neutral. So, um, I, I found it confusing because what is a historical preservation council for, if not to preserve? Um, and I do understand like that doesn't mean excluding like new projects. Um, Cause you can still incorporate, you know, older design processes. I'm sorry, I didn't think this out very well. I just wanted to come and listen and, um, and, uh, be a part and um, thanks for uh, all that you guys do. That concludes our public speakers on this item. Great, thank you so much to everyone who spoke. Um, really appreciate hearing the input from the public. Um, and with that, we will close the public hearing. Um, and then it looks like we have some time to provide comments and feedback. Um, I'm curious how we want to structure this. Would we like to move through each one of the um, kind of individual areas that Mr. Gilly spoke about and provide input. I, I would, before we get going, just like to clarify, I know I kind of asked before, but how will our recommendations, so we're gonna have this discussion about recommendations we might have, and then that is going to be, that information will be provided to planning committee in some form, is that correct? Yes, the, the goal as you go through your deliberations and discussion will be that you refine a list of things you all agree with, uh, and then um, we will take notes on those, and before the motion is made, we'll read them back to you, and then what, what if there's consensus on that, what I would suggest is that someone make a motion that you pass on wherever you end up on the whole thing, with the list that we just read off. Okay. And that that that's what we did at DRC and they it 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 worked for them. 
So hopefully it'll work here. Okay. Um, are we able to go back to the slides where you had um, each of the items broken down individually? And I mean, I think that might be a good way to get started. Committee members just go one because I think you had them broken out into like four or five different um, topics here. And if you could go to the first one that has the designation and removal process. So the, the, the staff report has four major areas and there's a slide for each if, if you okay. would like to use that as you go through. Yeah, I think so. I'm not seeing that. Oh, okay. This is okay. Okay. Let me pull up the staff report here. Okay. Designation of landmarks. Points of interest districts. And the only change here is that the planning commission is taken out. It's HPC goes directly, recommendation goes directly to council. Okay. Do we have any input on this specifically? Any committee members? Just reading exactly what you have in the staff report here. I mean, this seems to me, go ahead, committee member Soriano. I'm only asking because I'm new and I haven't gone through these processes very often. So once something went through HPC and then it went to the planning commission, what did the what did the planning commission that step? What did that step add to um, something we sent to the planning commission? Immediately, I can't tell you because it far predates me. Uh, I can tell you that when I started here, staff said they basically skipped planning commission anyway, even though the ordinance said it should have gone to it. So I think it's been a practice to be HPC makes a recommendation and it, it goes to council. Uh, so I don't really think that there's anything lost here. Yeah, I mean, to be to be honest, if we are the body that's most that we're specialized in historic preservation and we're talking about designating or removing a landmark to me, I don't see a need for it to go to planning commission in between us and city council. So um, I don't have any recommendations for this specific element here. Committee member Mueller, did you have anything on this one? No, uh, I'm gonna start having recommendations uh, in item three of the memo uh, relating to the makeup of the committee. Okay. So that I'm ready. Okay, so we can go to our next slide, which is roles and duties of the HPC. Yeah, if you want to uh, jump to that, I can I can uh, come up with my first uh, input here. Okay, why don't you go for it? See okay. What, see what we have. Yeah, my recommendation uh, is to expand the HPC to seven members from five. Uh, and this is to uh, rebalance uh, a uh, reduction in uh, the lay uh, element uh, that is uh, presently in our committee down to what is anticipated. Um, 
I think we could uh, have three uh, members appointed uh, from the profession of, of various disciplines connected with historic preservation as uh, much as we do now. Maybe that's adding one. Then I think we can add um, at least two members uh, to, um, to, to the uh, design profession. Uh, we talked about architects and contractors. That's good. Real estate professionals. I think we could consider an academic historian as a possible person to have on the committee. Uh, and then finally, uh, we would have two lay members instead of one. Uh, and so we'd have a little more technical expertise, but we'd also rebalance the lay input to that uh, committee uh, balance. I can put all this in an email or something, so you don't have to try and write it all down. Okay, I mean, yes, I I would actually love to have more members. Um, it would be great. Um, I think that we definitely want to have our two members from professions connected to historic preservation. Um, I do appreciate the expansion um, from a licensed architect to be in more inclusive in terms of design professionals or others related to the field. And I am not opposed to having more than one lay person with interest in historic preservation personally. Um, I think I think there's a lot of folks that have interest and could learn the craft. So um, I would support that as well. But I think the at, at least your first two bullets here make sense to me. Um, Committee member Soriano, did you have any input on this one? I agree with the layperson. I it, it's nice to have the community involved. So I I agree with the two. Okay. I, are we having difficulty staffing? I mean, we're small right now. We're obviously not at full capacity. Is, has that been? I think it has been an issue. Um, but there's also there is a application process and an interview process and so I, I mean we haven't received i'm not sure how many people have you know interviewed and and not been placed i don't know if mr gilly has any information on that specifically yeah well peter will will tell you uh that uh he's not in charge of uh recruiting or staffing the HPC, that's that's a council uh, job. And of course they have to uh, do the interviewing and the appointing. Uh, and, and obviously they're just as busy as everybody. So that, that probably accounts for some of it. Uh, but I think the reason for expanding it is, is there's no direct cost really. Uh, there is more labor probably involved for the, uh, the staff to support it, uh, but that shouldn't be uh, too much uh, to ask. And then uh, you know, if um, one person can make it to a meeting uh, right now, we don't have a quorum. Uh, yeah. Even five, uh, you could have a split vote. So, uh, with seven, if uh, one layperson can't make it to a meeting, the other one will provide that viewpoint. If one architect can't be there, you know, somebody else in the in the uh, administrative part of the of the business will be there to 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 support that viewpoint. So. Uh, it also gives us uh, a little more critical mass of expertise. Um, and I think if you're looking for creative ways to streamline, you want to delegate stuff away from 
our staff rather than concentrate uh, everything there. So this might be one way to, to, uh, to have a resource to, to turn to at, at some point. Absolutely, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, so I'm not sure if we need to come as a group to, to recommendations or if we're just all providing you our personal input here. So that's why I'm a little bit, I'm not exactly sure where to go in terms of moving forward, but I'm hearing that um, we feel that expanding, as a group, we feel that expanding the, um, the current qualifications that people have a little bit more, expanding that licensed architect is good, adding the design professional and being more inclusive there, and then also expanding the number of, not restricting maybe the number of lay people to one, if that's possible, would be preferred. I mean, do we have to dictate exactly how, I mean, I know we have to have five people to be a CLG, which we don't currently right now, but we're supposed to have five, at least five members. So maybe we say something like that, that number of lay people is not, do we have to dictate exactly how many people are on the board if we say a minimum of five people? Well, I think we can recommend whatever we want. Yeah. Uh uh, right now, I guess working within the ordinance, they're just simply reshuffling who is in of the five, mm -hmm. uh, and and I guess it would be just as easy to change the ordinance to seven, and and then let the city council complain that they can't find those people. But at the same time, uh, it tends to you know expand uh, the the hands the you know the people available to help with this rather than uh, reduce it. And my personal um, reason for this is that I am a lay person. And I think uh, the lay viewpoint is critical to this process uh, as much as any of the other uh, professions. And so uh, to reduce it to uh, one out of five, I think two out of seven is, is a better uh, balance. Chair Purcell, could I just add something to this point? Just, Absolutely. Just for information. Mm -hmm. uh, if we expand the board to seven, then we need to have four members to have a quorum. So, uh, my understanding is, uh, I don't, in the two years that I've been here, I'm not sure that we've had five members. Uh, maybe if we have, it hasn't been very often. So I just wanted to throw that out as, as something to consider that, that we would need to have four members to have just a quorum for the HPC to even meet. Well, fair enough, but uh, I, I would see that as a, uh, uh, not a great reason to uh, discount the idea if it adds more to the process than uh, the risk of, of not having a quorum. Well, anyway, I, that, that was just a recommendation. I can put that in writing. Um, and, well, and I agree, and I think as a group, we we definitely agree that we shouldn't minute like shouldn't. Um, restrict the number of lay people by saying no more would you both agree with that i mean we well should... if we if we go back to two lay people then it's simply the same uh representation we have in the present ordinance i think two of us have to be lay people and then three have to be uh you know either architects or or professional uh people in the uh in in the preservation business 
Yeah, I agree. Two lay people. And it does say may be lay people. But I don't want to restrict it to, to just one because historic preservation is born of, of the citizens. Okay, so I think as a group, one of our recommendations will likely be that we don't restrict the number of lay people on the board, regardless of the total number of people on the board. Um, we don't necessarily want to restrict the number of lay people on the board. Yeah, and then expanding the board uh, to more people, uh, you know, should be considered, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I agree. Considered, yes. Okay. I'll assume someone else is taking notes. I won't try to do that as well. Okay. Are we ready? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Are we uh, ready? I'm sorry, may I ask one more question? Sure. If if your recommendation is to have two members, um, two lay members, and the current proposal is a minimum of two members as design professionals, a member of two members as professionals, that's six members. So would your recommendation go together with the seven or would you reduce one of them so that you would have five as it's worded right now with your recommendation that would be six members yeah i would say oh. is there a way to not dictate the number of exact say we have to have six or we have to have seven can you know i mean as we have to have five or we should have five to be a clg i would say beyond that if we have seven candidates that are awesome it would be great and two of them are lay people would be great to have to have all seven of those folks so i don't i'm not sure if that's an answer to the question do we have to dictate the total number of people on the board or if we did sorry if we dictate could it be a minimum of one member from a profession connected to historic preservation or a, and a minimum of one member as a design or building contract or real estate that sort of thing if we did have to dictate well, you could leave the ordinance as it is. There's uh, twenty percent uh, lay uh, representation and and sixty percent professional. Uh, I think the idea of expanding it to architects and contractors and maybe even historians uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, so you know, if it, and and I don't think we want to have a, a a a committee of six people. There, you you need to have an odd number so that there's no no ties really. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we, we could talk about this for an hour, but it's, it's a detail really. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing should be changed. Uh, you know, I'm in favor of adding more professionalism, uh, uh, to, uh, the committee. And I just don't want to see the, uh, lay representation fall, uh, below, uh, you know, 25 or 30%, you know, if we're down to 20% with one out of five, that's, uh, that to me is too thin. I guess that's, that's the basic argument I have. Yeah, so I think as a group, we support expanding the licensed architect language to include more professionals, including historians. And we support trying to keep the percentage of lay people involved. Similar to at least what it is currently. Is what I'm hearing. The nitty gritty of doing that gets into numbers and 7 and 6 and all that, and that'll have to be worked out. We good on that? Yes. Okay. So with that, I think we can move on to historic design review.
getting through here. Do I have any committee members that want to jump in off the bat on this one? Well, this does not refer to the uh, determination of when an historic assessment is required, I, I believe. Am I correct in that? That's right. This is if this is when a site is determined to have uh, to be a potential resource, historic design review is required, and this is the process. The next item is the when, um, how do we do the analysis? Okay, so this is for properties that are already determined to be resources. Not potential resources as well. No, it's 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 uh, identified or potential. So this assumes okay. it's either we all know it's historic or we've already done assessments to determine it is a potential resource. And then this is the process it goes through. Okay. I put this in this order because of what I thought was going to be the easiest item to the hardest. It is, I think, maybe easier to do the next one first because it's okay. in the order of kind of the process. Yeah. Okay. And then the problem with this slide is uh, the updated version didn't get into the into the final. And on the right-hand side, it should be either or a combination of a planner with uh, historic training, develop procedures, use a consultant for the five-day or just keep using the five day until we get to the point where we have the survey done and and the new ordinance in place. Okay, I have an input on that. Um, and this is basically the process by which an historic assessment is, is determined or required mm -hmm. to be required. Uh, and you had four options. Uh, and uh, my input is that option one is preferred that uh, the hiring or training of a, a, you know, Secretary of Interior Standards qualified staff member uh, be considered, or that if our esteemed director uh, become so qualified, if he is the one to be making the decisions to require historical assessments. Um, if on the other hand, option four uh, is the only alternative, that would be to continue HPC review of five-day notices then uh, uh, my input is that an SIS compliant procedure should be developed, uh, perhaps by a consultant, to provide uh, guidance on exemptions. Uh, and, and now we're kind of getting closer to, to where, where you were going, I think, with your four options. Yeah, uh, my, my concern with this one is that it, it just, it puts a lot of, of um, power on one in one person's hands and as much as we you know have faith in mr gilly he might not always be here as well this director could be um anybody somebody who doesn't understand as much as mr gilly does about historic preservation so it's concerning to have that decision um resting solely on that person so my preference would also be for the city to have someone on staff that's qualified to make that to make that call whether 
um, an assessment is necessary or whether there are potential impacts. Um, I think that's pretty clear that that's what Committee Member Soriano, I'm assuming you would agree with that. But, I mean, I think it's been pretty clear that's would be our yeah. preference. That would be great. Um, and beyond that, um, I mean, yeah, the, we all know the issues with the five day process. So that's definitely most likely going to be last on all of our list, I would assume. So historic prep planner is the preferred. Five day us continuing the five day is the last and in terms of the development procedures and consultant support. Um, I'm just reading those 2. I, I would say consultant support for me would be. Number 2 over development procedures, because with development procedures, the way it's currently written, you're still relying on staff to make a decision. Yes, they are being given hopefully the tools they need to make that decision, but they're still not actually qualified to make that decision. So, actually, maybe I would put the 5 day above that. So, maybe I would say historic planner. Consultant support 5 day development procedures. But yeah, my concern here is just that this puts a lot of. Power in 1 place. I agree as, as Stephen um, Schaefer uh, has pointed out uh, in the county. Uh, they have uh, a planner. Who is qualified in the procedures to make a historical assessment determination? Now that's not all he does. Uh, you know he does all the other planning functions, uh, and so that uh, you know if we can find the right person to to do both uh, functions, you know we're we're short staffed anyway uh, in terms of of, of planning staff, uh, and yet we're hiring uh, or have uh, positions open for three of them. And and Peter has said, well, you know, if somebody walks in and says I've I've got these qualifications, uh, you know that that would be a a fortuitous thing, but maybe. It should be formalized that uh, you know at least one of the next three hires should be someone who um, is qualified in in these procedures and would handle all of the uh, determinations for historical assessment. Uh, and then we'd have you know the qualifications. We'd have a staff member doing it, and we wouldn't be you know ping ponging everything back and forth, uh, which which probably leads to inefficiency. Um, so that you know. Um, Either either hire somebody outright to do just that, or or combine that with all the other duties. Uh, as long as the person is is qualified, I think that's the important thing. Yeah, agree. And my other input, which is very much along those lines, and that is, is that Peter has done a great job in trying to figure out how a change in the ordinances affect other ordinances or the general plan. Um, what we need is that uh, the uh, proposed changes to the city ordinances should be verified or modified to be in compliance with Secretary of the Interior Standards by a qualified historic preservation and professional. And when we've heard that before, uh, you know, um, we ought to make sure that you know from the top down, not just as far as our our city codes go. Um, but all the way up to the uh, you know Secretary of Interior that we're that we're not building in a uh, a trigger for for somebody to say this isn't this isn't been done properly. Uh, so um, between that and finding someone 
with the qualifications on staff, I think I think we can kind of bridge the gap we have now. I would absolutely agree. Now I, I also I, agree. Sorry, Paul. Heard, well, I'm sorry. I had heard uh, Peter say that he might be able to get HRG to to do this before uh, the next, you know, uh, decision point, so that uh, you know it would whatever was submitted by by way of proposed changes to city ordinances would at least pass muster with all of the other uh, codes that we have to comply to. Yeah, I agree. I think a peer review or other similar a review by a qualified firm to really analyze the, you know, what the potential concerns are here specifically related to preservation, because, you know, this is aimed at streamlining. It's not aimed at like, that's the, that's kind of why I was asking if the city is still planning on doing the, the ordinance update in general, because really, to me, that should be done at the same time, because it's the same, it's the ordinance that deals with resources. So we should really be making these changes in tandem to me. I understand why we're not um, because streamline is the push right now, but I think for us to really support these changes, we're going to want to see them reviewed by um, a qualified professional. Sure. Um... Yeah. Uh, you, that would be my view. Uh, we could get all of these changes in place only to find out that, you know, there's a, there's a, a problem with them somewhere because we didn't, you know, uh, pursue it far enough. Um, I, I think, um, you know, everyone has, has done a really uh, difficult job in the past and, uh, you know, we need to remove some of the uncertainties that we have. So uh, I think that's important. Um, but, um, you know, our job um, isn't efficiency, it isn't uh, saving money, it isn't streamlining, it's preserving historical assets. Uh, and, 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 you know, that's going to be at cross purposes to the idea of streamlining and, and improving efficiency, although not incompatible, I suppose. It's just there's going to be a tension there. But yeah. where we're coming from, or where I'm coming from, is, is that our, our first responsibility is to make sure the processes are in place that protect and preserve the historic resources that can't be replaced if if we all uh, let the ball drop and something gets through. I totally agree. And I want to make a joke. I want to make a joke and say, and this is coming from our layperson. Very well said. <laughs> very well said. I agree as well. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> no charge. <laughs> Okay, so um, let's see where we're at here. I guess we go back to um, the last slide that we skipped over then, which is historic design review. Is that, yeah, this one's a little confusing to me. So, you want, I can walk through it again? Yeah, that'd be great. So, this thing, any, Property that has a landmark is adjacent to a landmark mm -hmm. uh, or uh, is affecting a potential resource. So if it's anything identified and anything potential, it has to go through historic design review. 
The next part that mattered, and the design review is going to be based on the Secretary of Interior standards. Uh, the Secretary standards are referenced a lot in our newer specific plans, but nowhere in our actual ordinance. So, putting that in. The historic design review does not automatically mean HPC. Subsection B talks about the things that will come to HPC. And this is where those, those words mean a lot. If it's determined that the project may have an impact, then it shall go to HPC. That means the only way it won't go to HPC is if it's determined the project can't have an impact, as in it is so minor, as in if they give us a historic report by a consultant that uh, uh, is reputable and peer reviewed, that says it won't impact. Uh, if it's a like for like, uh, so it's really the intent of the rule is everything goes to HPC except the things that don't need to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think generally that makes sense to me. I'm just trying to process how the procedure would actually work because it's like, okay, so. Who so you you or and every time it says director, it means staff. Yeah, it, it's not always right. like me as the individual. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so staff would automatically, if it if it's affecting a resource or it's on a property with a landmark or next to a property with a landmark, going through a historic design review, it is checked against the sector of interior standards. By somebody who's unqualified, potentially, correct? Potentially, potentially. But it's going to be something where, unless it is determined that there's absolutely no impact, it's coming to HPC. But that would be determined by somebody who's not qualified to determine that, right? They'll be qualified, the, the, the level of what uh, items that won't go to HPC are gonna be so clear as day. Like uh, one example was a apartment project um, that happened in downtown, an existing apartment project, next door was a historic resource. It was a building on the other street with a parking lot in between. The apartment project next door put another building in their parking lot area in the center of their apartment complex. There is no way that's going to affect that resource. I mean, I could actually argue against that <laughs> if you wanted me to, but um, I mean, you can have indirect impacts. If you built a 20 story building across the street and it's your view height. shed was character defining. It's the same height as the buildings that it, you wouldn't even be able okay. to see this new building yeah. from that property. Okay, that seems like clear, but yeah. so. I mean, maybe there would be, I guess one recommendation would be if, if this was moving forward, if this is being considered, maybe um, either consultant input, probably consultant or us, but probably consultant input on what developing those, what those clear cut situations are um, so that they really are clear cut situations because there there are it is nuanced. It's not always just so straightforward, yeah. you know. Um, so that's something I would recommend. HPC. And, and we've already talked. We've already talked about 
we will have a procedural way of having expertise in determining whether assessments are triggered, we would use the same expertise on the ones that to help us, you know, determine, oh, this is clearly not, or yeah, this this is on the borderline, it has to go to HPC. So whether it's the staff planner, whether it's the consultant support, because I believe on the other one, those were the top two choices. We would use the same resource to help in this area. Yeah, so I think that's like the clutch part is having the person who is making that decision be somebody that's qualified. And then in this case, if I mean, there's a lot of cities that have a staff planner do making those determinations. So if we can develop some guidance and limit the things that are able to just be, you know, pushed through, I think that is going to be important. Well, I think I this goes back to our previous discussion. Ideally, there's someone on staff who is qualified in SIS procedures to be able to catch these things. And it's only going to be 10% of their time, I expect. They'll have to do other planning uh, jobs. Uh, but uh, to have uh, the expert, the, qualify, the qualifications and the expertise at the point at which the application is received, I think is critical. Um, we can't do it looking at five day, uh, you know, notices. Uh, and I think, you know, the, that puts all the burden on the, on the planning staff. Well, what do I know? You know, I, I guess it's okay. We need um, we need to have that uh, position, uh, you know, equipped with the uh, qualifications and you know uh, protocol necessary, uh, and and you know that's not one of the it's not the top choice, but uh, that's the one I would uh, I would have as input for a recommendation. Uh, find a find a guy to do this, you know, and do other. Uh, other jobs at the same time as as part of filling your you know your your staffing shortfall yeah i fear some of this wording um i don't want to say abused but could overlook potential historic resources yeah. in the future this wording is a little uncomfortable for me I mean, technically anything over 40 years old is a potential historic right. resource. So it's like, it's a lot. Sure, and the thing is, is that most of it, maybe 99% of, of what comes in where there are modifications to a 40 year old structure are trivial and not impacting any historical resource in any way, or it's not a potential historical resource. Uh, but of course you don't wanna, you don't wanna let one thing slip through and uh, to know that the process is backed up by someone with qualifications, keeping an eye on it is, is I think the answer to all the uncertainty about, well, you know, you're concentrating too much power in planners. Uh, if they're qualified, that's a good thing. If they're not, yeah. you're leaving yourself open to, uh, to problems downstream, I would think. Okay. Yeah, is there a way to word it that to say that's determined by staff that meet the Secretary of Interior standards? I mean that we would like that, but they're yeah. that's not going to probably not. happen. Well, we're not we're not writing the ordinance. Yeah. We're yeah. providing input on this, yeah. and we this as a weakness. 
uh, it doesn't act to uh, you know support our our mission to 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 do the best we can for the historic structures in this place, and then uh, it doesn't uh, you know uh, I think it leaves some liability open to the staff or guy who you know sends something through that turns out to be historical is uh, yeah. is is been left without any support or any any friends at this point. Yeah, so I think our recommendation as a group would be that the, the person making the determination here would be qualified. Exactly, yeah, it, it's just that simple. Um, okay. And I am curious about the new um, ADU ordinance or is that that's a is that this is that a state thing peter that's a state thing yeah okay and are state. there there's is there there's not exemptions for historical like no state law says that uh adus uh well normally adus can't have any design review at all uh state law says adus affecting uh, identified a potential resource can at least have minor design review, ministerial, no hearing. Uh, so staff will be reviewing those against the Secretary of Interior standards. Hmm. So if you have an ADU going up in a historic district, it'll just be reviewed by staff to see that it meets the Secretary of the Interior standards. But what is the actual, I'll have to look it up, but what is the actual I guess I'm just curious what the law actually says. It says you can't require design review. Uh, it has to be a ministerial process. Mm. And so, minor de minor design review is our ministerial design review process. Or okay. it's an administrative process that doesn't trigger a hearing. Major design review is always a hearing. Minor is not. So this is the greatest level of review that we can require uh, so that seems like a real, I don't know, that seems like a real, uh, that seems really, I, I don't know what the word is, that seems um, not good, because <laughs> that seems bad. They're <laughs> uh, CEQA exempt as well, aren't they? Right? Yeah, because it's ministerial. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think it's to to address the housing shortage, which yeah. is totally reasonable. But again, it's like you have some you you're having this this ministerial process happening by and people like people are going to be very upset when they start to see certain kinds of development in their neighborhoods that when they live in a historic district. So having that person that is performing that review be qualified to do so, it seems super important to me. Um, so just putting that out there. Yeah, it's one of those unforeseen impacts. Yeah. And then or, there's cumulative or, impacts with that too. Like, yeah, the first two or three, whatever, but then you start to see a lot of. Yeah. I, I think this is a case where the legislature said uh, an ADU on every site in a historic district is an impact they accept. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, well, you can design ADUs to be not an issue in historic districts and to not have impacts, but it's just like whoever's performing the review is going to be the person dictating if that's actually happening or not, if that's actually being required. So seems like it's just interesting, I guess. Um, okay. Is that all of our point? Is that all of our things here? Let's see. Those are the four main categories. Okay. Um, so where do we go from here? I'm not sure if we're able to make some kind of motion with all of that information, but. So here, here's what I have. Um, here's what I have that on the, on the designation and removal process, there was no concerns. This is the one where HPC directly to council for the makeup of the board. Uh, agreement about the licensed architect language being spread out, uh, but not staying as one to keep the two maybe lay people um, and to consider seven uh, for more community involvement and more backups in case people can't attend. For the historic design review section, uh, the key, uh, I think there was acceptance with the key note that it needs to be. Uh, uh, done by a qualified individual, uh, same with the determination of the potential resource as to whether an assessment is needed or not. Uh, the key was uh, qualified individual being involved, number one choice being a staff person, uh, the second choice being a consultant support. Did and you guys agree with that? I think those, I, I kind of ordered those out in terms of those four options. So, did yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, that sounds appropriate. Um, the only other alternative is if we're back to the five day review process with HPC members, should there be SIS compliant procedures developed for that? Well, I think, I think the goal and this part is procedural, so it doesn't have to be in the ordinance. Uh, but I think the goal will be to try to find a way to make your top two choices work, which was staff or the consultant. Uh, right. And, um, then the last item was to have uh, HRG review the uh, all the proposed changes. Yeah, to review the ordinance to make sure that it's com you know consistent and complies with uh, you know the Secretary of Interior standards, you know California standards right on down, so that we're we're um, we're covered from from top to bottom. I think that was mostly it. Well, that was my list. <laughs> got some more. We get. We still have to talk about goals here. So, uh. Uh, can we go back a little bit? Um, in the attachment A, it has duties. Um, there was public comment on the removal of archaeological sites. Oh, I know yes. I had asked you, Peter, about that. What our um, what our role is in that, and it was removed like sites and natural configuration, which are rock outcroppings and sites are generally archeological sites. And then um, building structures, I guess that is buildings structures. I'm not sure why that was struck. We struck the, the, the main duty of, of HPC is the designation of, of districts, landmarks and points of interest. Uh, our understanding is that natural features can be a landmark, and thus 
naming, you know, whether it's a building or a site or a structure, or is that that level of specificity wasn't needed. I mean, we have some landmarks that are trees. Um, uh -huh. So um, now it turns out that what I'm told is that the process for archaeological things is normally handled completely through uh, CEQA review. CEQA review. Uh, we have CEQA consultants who do our initial studies and uh, negative declarations and mitigating neg negative declarations and EIRs. Uh, and so they put in mitigation measures and such that are handled through the construction phase. And I'm told that uh, at least by the one planner I uh, we still have that has been with the city for a long time, that that's really never come to HBC. And so uh, I'm not necessarily, we're not suggesting changing that uh, unless that's something HBC wants to talk about. But our our read of historic districts, landmarks, and points of interest, uh, we believe landmarks and points of interest can include more than just a building. I would think that um, the archaeology is is there, uh, in a sense, for preservation, uh, but to designate it as an historical, you know. A monument or something that would be our job but of course that that isn't what you do when you're building something you try to preserve what you find uh and 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 some sort of designation that would come before us would have to be later if somebody made the application to make that a you know a resource i mean we would i think be in 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 line to have a lot of that potential yeah, you could still landmark sites. I mean, you could still landmark some, you know. Right, but just because you uncover something of archaeological importance doesn't mean it's automatically uh, designated as a landmark. Correct. And, but that's what the the CEQA thing is speaking to. And that's why, you know, archaeologists take, take the care when something is come across, but they aren't... Um, in the business of, of making landmarks out of it, someone would have to organize a uh, an application for that. Right, so, but the question is, because right now the language sites, natural configurations, buildings and structures was, was removed. So say somebody did make a nomination for an archeological site, it would not come to us. We would not make recommendations to city council regarding that based on this language. Is that understanding correct, Peter? No, if, if, if an application was made for point of interest or landmark, that comes to HPC. Okay, so just the, the difference is that landmarks is inclusive of all these things. Yes. Your read. So, so we okay. took those words out because yeah. we felt they were extra. Got it. Okay, thank you. Was there anything else? I'm trying, just looking at my notes from public comment. That was, um, thanks for bringing that up, committee member Soriano. I think the things that I heard were the peer review, um, consultant review. One thing that came up a lot was moving historic, the, the HPC process to earlier in the permitting process, but that's not really something that's addressed currently in this. Is that something that's being considered? It actually does get, uh, with streamlining, both DRC and HPC is moved up. 
Uh, I think what some people are saying is do it way at the beginning before the pro the project even kind of goes through its in internal review. Uh, that's not being proposed. Uh, but if there was ever a uh, case similar to conceptual re review with DRC where uh, something was being done near uh, a landmark uh, and the applicant wanted to get early input, a volunteer type process, we would absolutely bring them. Uh, and we would encourage that if, if, if that type of thing were happening. Yeah, I, I tend to think that the comments are aimed at um, sometimes it's like folks go in to deal with the permitting process. I think it's more the potential impact, like potential, I think designated landmarks or known landmarks, it's probably less of a concern, but it's more the folks that come in to pull a permit and they have no idea that they're gonna have to go through this process because their building is, you know, 48 years old or whatever, um, making those somehow making the awareness, having the awareness earlier in the process. I, I don't know, that's my interpretation maybe of what that, what those comments are about, but that's personal opinion, I'm not sure. Um, but, um, okay. It goes, it goes back to 1 of the, the intentions of streamlining, uh, mm -hmm. uh, that things that DRC and HPC should see. DRC and HPC should see, uh, we're only trying to make it so that the things that. Maybe don't need to be seen. Can we find a, a, a streamlined way to do it? And, and, and so, yeah, if, if a project comes in again, that could benefit from the HPC seeing it earlier. That applicant will probably want to do that, and thus the voluntary process is fine. And we don't need anything in the ordinance to say that exists, uh, because uh, there's rules sprinkled throughout the ordinance that al allows me to refer an item that doesn't require HPC or DRC to either either board. So there's mechanisms for that. Okay. Um, all right, so I believe we've been through all of these, the four major um, elements here. And I'm not sure where we go. Do we try to, I don't know what kind of motion we would make. I mean, we just have a ton of recommendations. So, so if, if there was comfort with what I read back, then you could, you could simply have somebody make a motion that, uh, uh, our feet, the HPC's feedback on these amendments are the list that I read back. And we have that list and that's going to be what, what, what moves on. And I can so the, the read the list. Is, again. So the motion is just that these are our recommendations period. Yeah. Okay. Um, You're going to have to read them back again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on, on the designation and removal process. The part that planning commission comes out of there was acceptance of that on the makeup of the board. Uh, there was acceptance of the 1 of the licensed architect. Makeup of the board, we're going to keep what's existing, but simply change the 2nd bullet. To have all the extra types of people on this on the other side, but the numbers for everything else stay the same. Uh, a consideration of going to 7. Uh, 
with the benefit being uh, more backups, more community involvement. Uh, historic design review, the key that the decision needs to be by a qualified individual. And likewise, on the determination of whether assessments are needed, the key being it, uh, having the qualified individual. The number one pick for the HPC is that qualified individual be a staff member. The secondary pick would be if it's a if it's a consultant. And then the HRG peer review before it goes to council. Yeah, of the, of the proposed ordinance change. Yes. Yes. That's what I remember. So is someone able to just make a motion that says I make a motion <laughs> or, or I have to actually get all of that out? No, no. Huh? You, you no, could I'm literally make the motion of yeah. a move that our feedback be what the director just read. I move that our feedback uh, be put on record uh, as read back by uh, Director Gilly. And I second. And do Can I you get a roll, Madam Chair? Committee Member Mueller. Yes. Committee Member Soriano. Yes. Vice Chair Purcell. Yes. The motion is passed. Great. Okay, and with that, it looks like we are moving on to a goal setting discussion. Um, and we do have a staff presentation. And just like DRC, you get to hear more of me. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I said the same line last night. Uh, so council sets goals uh, every year, and those goals are an 18 month process uh, or 18 month period from January of the year it's set to the June of the next year. So these, these end up overlapping, uh, but they set new goals every year. Uh, I gave you three attachments. Uh, attachment A are the goals for this year. Again, that go into 2022. Uh, you'll see there are a lot of community development ones. Uh, arguably, we are lead or have a key role in 10 of the 18. Uh, so that is part of the reason we are a little stretched thin. Um, attachment B is what we're going to be recommending council consider prioritizing for the next cycle. And we even have an attachment C for things that might even be the cycle after that. Uh, we're presenting this to all, all the committees. Uh, Planning Commission looked at it last week. Uh, one of the members, the member of the Planning Commission who has been on for eight years says it was the first time staff ever did this. So uh, Planning Commission appreciate it. Uh, we, DRC saw it uh, last night uh, and we'd like to get HPC comments. You can use attachment B as kind of a starting point for discussion, or you can just talk about goals absent uh, what's in attachment B. Uh, also provided, oh, next slide, please. Also provided a one pager that uh, gives uh, an overview of where kind of the department is right now as an FYI. Just as an FYI, also as an FYI, Planning Commission said they supported all of them, but they especially commented a lot about the green checks. Uh, DRC uh, came up with things that weren't on the list and uh, the blue check 
or the light blue check was uh, one that they they referenced. So, uh, HPC wants to talk about this list or about just goals in general. Uh, we're, we're happy to hear them. Okay, thank you. I'm just looking at this list. It's the same as attachment B, just it's just the list without all the other stuff on the side. Well, a question I have is from our standpoint, do we expect anything to uh, be submitted in the way of uh, a new uh, citywide survey? We are going, I expect that you will have um review of the context statement next calendar year um that is a pretty hefty document we've 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 seen a, a rough draft of it uh so it might be early next year um then the rest of the actual survey will 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 follow so uh, item 2f is is the continuation of the historic context statement and survey uh, so that's the thing probably on the list that's most directly related to HPC. Well, if it's already a goal, I would expect it will become a priority. We would hope, hope so too, because uh, like the general plan update, uh, the historic context statement, certain things that are multi-year things we, we do expect are gonna be, are gonna be continued. I mean, I think um, the stable, stabilized community development department one is obviously, I mean, it's huge. And I think it, it does affect us because a lot of what we've been talking about tonight is having qualified staff there. And it seems like there's just been so much turnover. It would hard, it would be hard to even, I mean, even if you, wanted to train someone in house to be more specialized in historic preservation. There's just been so much turnover. So, I mean, I, I hope that more stabilization comes to the department for sure. And I think that's, that's just, it's a huge goal. It seems to be affecting so many different operations that, you know, you guys are accountable for. So I hope that that, that can happen somehow. We have talked in the past uh, about training HPC members, and of course, with all you have to do, the COVID, the the whole the whole past year uh, has pretty much pre precluded that. But I think it's still something worth uh, working towards. Uh, so uh, I know you have enough to do, but um, I think a lot of times our our uh, our work would be streamlined if we, you know, were working to common assumptions. So some sort of training, even just an overview of the process of a, of a permit uh, and, and where the various, uh, you know, uh, parts and, and reviews are and how long it takes. Um, I know that would help me and uh, it would give everybody on the committee, you know, even if they're a contractor doing this for 100 years, uh, at least a, a common baseline of, uh, of, of information. Yeah, and I would say a goal, I mean, I know this is super specific to us, maybe other committees too, though, but also getting our committee staffed, like getting, having, you know, enough, getting to the five again, I think is really 
that's a real goal that I would like to see happen minimally get to the five again, <laughs> maybe the seven, but, um, I think it's really important to have a larger group, honestly. So that would be a goal that I would like to see happen. And I know that, um, I think most of us probably would. And I know that's probably like the last priority with all of these other things, but it is important. No, it, it, it certainly is, is, uh, uh, important and, um, the recruitment interview process. We view more as a day to day as in a, like a normal task that happens without setting a specific goal, but, uh, mm -hmm. I think. Given the situation, it would be good to remind, you know, counsel. Right. Is SB 35 the one we were just talking about? SB 35 is actually a little older. Okay. Um, uh, it's one that has a by right approval process if you meet a number of requirements. And so it's one of the things in our housing element we had to commit to do. Now, optimally, if optimally with streamlining in place, with catching up on staff, with catching up on all these older documents, we won't be behind, be behind on updating our regs to meet new state laws, uh, but we still are right now. So this is kind of a catch up, and it shouldn't actually be that that difficult of a task. Uh, it's listed as one that yes, it's legal. We have to do it, but it 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 should be pretty quick. Because it's just um, state law. Okay, thank you. I guess I would say a full historic preservation ordinance update, which probably won't happen next year, but I'm sure that's, I mean, I think we would all want to see that as well. And we do acknowledge we chances well. It would take a lot of extra staffing to do everything on this list. Yeah. yeah. So so even the things we think are super important, we we can't do them all. But that plants a seed in council's mind that if not this year, like it's it going to keep coming back. And yeah. it seems like that is one that has kept. You know, it's it's been. Yeah. I don't know if it's been one of these official goals, but it's definitely something that's come up a lot over the years. Um, I know this will not happen this year, 100%, but I would also recommend something, a goal I think that we need to start planting in council's head is, um, like, de like, uh, design guidelines, you know, for, we need to develop some design guidelines that would also help streamline the development process. If people had guidelines that they knew they were going to have to comply with before they went and hired an architect to design a project in a historic district. Um, so I think that's something that's important to start thinking about for the future, especially with these, the requirements for density that we're seeing. I think having those guides for the public is on, on that topic, important. You said guidelines for doing something in a historic, historic district? Well, a lot of a lot of cities will have design guidelines that are 
I mean, I know you guys have design guidelines for certain portions of the city, right? For like the downtown specific plan area or things like that. So it would be similar, similar to that in areas where there's historic. Well, see, this is another interesting thing because we have some potential, like these potential conservation overlay zones and stuff like that on the west side that aren't technically historic districts. So um, I don't know how you could capture those areas as well. You know, I did say historic districts, but there might be other areas of the city where it would be appropriate as well. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, did we have any other input for staff on goals? Were, were there other type of training uh, topics of interest? I, I wrote down the ones that have already been said, but are, are, there, are there more beyond that? It looks think, like we may have lost um, committee member Soriano. Yeah, she said she her computer might die, and if she if that did happen, she would jump right back on. Are we able to? I just don't she, see her back on yet. Yeah, she just um, emailed me asking for a link, um, which I just sent her. Okay. Um, Courtney, do you mind watching the attendee list? She might jump on as an of attendee. Course. Thank you. Um, I would say some training aimed at uh, Secretary of the Interior standards, like design review, really would be really amazing for us to have. Which I know California Preservation Foundation, they do those fairly regularly. Um, but I think, I mean, I think that would be really beneficial. As you, if if you remember the staff report, we, we said there's kind of two things. There's kind of goals, and then there's the other little things, uh, because streamlining does save us a lot of time, and even the emergency streamlining has helped. And so we're going to have more time to do things uh, like uh, find training, find trainers to come, especially now that things are more virtual. The trainers don't have to travel easier to get them and, and such. Uh, so if there are other things like this, even if you think of it outside of this agenda item, uh, please shoot those over to us. Okay, great. Guess we'll give, um, oh, I see committee member Soriano back with us, maybe. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. I apologize for that. My computer said I had nine minutes, but I apparently only had three. I feel like mine always does that. It's like you have 40 minutes and then it's dead right then. Um, did you have any input on goals? I don't know how much you missed, but we mentioned um, continuing the context and survey. Um, yes. Okay. Um, yes, and and the uh, staffing and the the um, community development department. Staffing, generally speaking, yeah. obviously we'd love to see somebody qualified on staff. Um, we talked about training. Um, we talked about design guidelines, which would be amazing. 
Um, I do have a question kind of along the lines of design guidelines. I don't know if I'm able to ask Mr. Gilly, it's related to what we were just talking about with the design guidelines. In terms of the west side, those areas that are potential conservation overlay zones and things like that, I mean, they are they treated as they're not treated as districts, right? You know, are the develop the development in those areas? I mean, I just wonder if I was going to recommend maybe trying to get that survey adopted. I mean, the city paid for a survey of the west side and didn't adopt it. So now we have all of those areas that are potential, but they're not, they're not actually treated as such. I don't believe in the development process. So that's something I would love to see personally. Yeah, I don't know the details on that. So I would have to look okay. into that and okay. get back to you. Thanks. I have a more nebulous uh, question um, and, and maybe there's no answer for it. But when, when I tell somebody, well, I'm on the Historic Preservation Committee, they kind of assume, and you hear this, you know, with our public comments, they kind of assume that we're somehow out there finding places to preserve. And yet most of our actions and, you know, are of course public hearings and they are just simply adjudicating, well, you know, this guy's um, report uh, makes more sense than, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're evaluating technical details of, of something that's already been determined to either be historic or not. So, so my question is this, um, and I'm perfectly fine to be doing all that, but is there, is there some activity that HPC can get involved in or, uh, or yeah, that that somehow is more proactive rather than waiting for somebody to come come through with an application and and you know a report. Maybe the answer I, is no. <laughs> I think the survey. I mean, they. I I don't know if they ever. I thought that there was talk at some point about volunteers for the survey, but I then it was COVID, so I don't know if that's something that just didn't ha quite happen, or if maybe I'm misremembering that. I remember asking about that to the people who were going to do the survey and and they kind of looked at me quizzically uh, because I had seen the the paperwork from past surveys and you know it was it was great fun you go out there on a weekend and you'd fill out a little index card with these houses that you'd go past um, and they were all collated and assembled and turned into a report but I think they're they're probably more like uh, you know Google Earth now they uh, they do all this more more automated. Uh, but yeah, any any opportunity to participate, you know, on a volunteer basis with the, you know, the preparation of the survey. I don't know if that, you know, constitutes a prejudice, but it would uh, it would certainly be, uh, you know, very informational. Yeah, I mean, I don't, um, Andy, if you want to chime in as well, uh, please do. I think the most the most challenging thing is that the public view of what the city does with hearings and processes and there's not a good understanding of it uh there being on a board you have you have to accept quite a few constraints now uh because 
there's certain things that you're going to be making recommendations on about people's properties. Uh, so it's it's not always easy. Like a Parks and Rec Commission can go and volunteer at a uh, some you know park event and it's no big deal. And it's 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 not as easy for boards that talk about land use issues. Um, Andy, any any thoughts? I would agree with what you're saying, Peter. I think there are some limitations when you have this quasi adjudication, quasi, I'm sorry, quasi judicial role that you play. So yeah, I think there are some challenges kind of built into the, the nature of your role on this committee. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I try and put myself in the mindset of a juror. You know, you're told not to speak with anybody about something or even amongst other jurors for a while. You know, it's all very, uh, all very formal and isolated, and and I, I get why that's the case, and it, it's sensible. Um, I guess I'll have to uh, once I leave the committee evolve into some some uh, form of ad advocacy. Uh, yes, because you know your but heart. Don't leave. You can't there. leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. Um, you're not allowed to leave, but when you're ready to start an advocacy group, let me know. Call me up. Well, they're out there. Yeah. Uh, well, that was just a, a, a kind of a, a question to fill the air. It wasn't, there wasn't any real solid uh, answer to that. So I appreciate your thoughts. And I, I'm realizing looking at the agenda that I never um, opened the public hearing. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who would like to speak on this item? No, there are not. Okay, wonderful. We can close the public hearing then. and. Um, if and no other committee members have any comments, I think we're we're probably good to move on here as well. Yep. Yes. Okay. Seeing none. Um, staff communication. Um, for staff and committee members, do we have any items to report that may be of interest to other committee members and the public? Um, thank you, Vice Chair Brazel. If you don't mind, um, staff going first. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring the topic of um, the 2022 hearing calendar to um, HPC for discussion. I have already discussed this with the Planning Commission as well as Design Review Committee um, and, and tonight with the HPC. Just to provide some information, I know the makeup was different at the beginning of the year of how we approached the calendar um, for this year. So staff came forward with the recommendation in the calendar that we put two hearings on um, each month with the understanding that we were very well aware that we were gonna cancel one of the meetings and that the HPC would most likely meet once a month. Um, so we already knew that there would be 50% can cancellation. I know there was public comment commenting that this was different than years previous. Uh, it's not a completely fair comparison as we knew um, that that would be occurring. What that allowed is for flexibility of dates. And so sometimes when, uh, especially knowing this year with the goals and the amount of things that were um, occurring, it could allow for multiple hearings in a month if uh, things fell that way or projects fell that way or we needed to hold another meeting to discuss or something was continued. Um, Moving forward into into 2022, I wanted to check would the HPC like to still continue that model 
of two hearings a month knowing and understanding that 50% uh, of them would be most likely canceled, averaging about a, a hearing a month? Or would you like to go to one meeting a month that's scheduled um, uh, to, right off the bat? So um, there's no right or wrong. The PC still wanted to do two, and the DRC wanted to go to one a month. So um, our goal was to try and get something similar for, for staff to, to be able to do, but understand that there's different desires here. So any feedback on what, what the HPC would like to do? Well, I have not found uh, the scheduling as it's done now to be inconvenient. Uh, I'm a guy with a lot of time, so I not, may not be the, the authority. Uh, but um, if, if there are two uh, calendar dates scheduled, uh, it has seemed to me uh, that there's a preference to use the first to the extent there's items on an agenda and cancel the second. And that, that uh, simplifies things somewhat. Is, is that been the case or is that just a, a random thing that, that you can't really hold to? That's a great question, committee member Mule. It's actually been random. Um, and it's really because your hearings all have notices and we have you know, dates we have to get things noticed by what, when something is ready, we kind of look at the calendar and see what's closest based on the noticing and preparation. Um, the flexibility does, the two on a calendar allows the flexibility because sometimes if it's projects ready and it's before the meeting but past the noticing, we have to go all the way to the next month to be able to schedule something. So that's where the two meetings a month allows the flexibility that something isn't delayed like six weeks because, because of that. Okay, well, that, that, that's fine with me. I, you know, the others, others may have a better... Um, or a more or more challenging schedule. I I can weigh in and just say it has worked. It was fine this year, but we again didn't end up with two meetings. I don't even think we did ever in a month. Um, so I'm fine with the flexibility. I will say that I mean, um, it was also COVID year, so we were all mm -hmm. trapped in our homes. So. <laughs> Um, there might be a little bit more going on this upcoming year and also um, with only three of us, if one of us can't make it, it is kind of an issue. Like, so I could just anticipate only having the one day and once a month and it being laid out would probably eliminate any potential, like less, you know, eliminate some of the potential conflicts and having to cancel meetings because someone can't come. But that said, I'm happy to keep the two meetings in the rotation and I mean, we'll see how it goes. If that starts to be an issue, we'll and, have to and, with it. and an alternative is it doesn't preclude us from scheduling a special meeting. So if mm -hmm. there is a need for that and it's um, more consistent for your calendar to do one meeting a month and it should something arise, we can reach out and schedule a, a special meeting. So that's always, uh, an option as well. So if the preference would be to do one meeting a month and special meetings as needed, we can do that as well. I mean, that sounds like a really good alternative to me personally, because then it's just set, but I'm also, I'm happy to keep, if it really makes it easier for you guys to have the two meetings on the calendar, it's, it's fine with me and we can see how it goes. Committee member Soriano, do you have a, do you have a preference? Yeah. Um, I, 
unfortunately I'm a commuter. So I think having the, the flexibility of the two meetings is, is a better option because we're such a small um, committee right now. Okay, let's go with that then. That works. Okay, we'll do and at a future meeting, your calendar will be coming forward for you for action. Thank you. Great. Um, and that's all that staff had. Thank you so much. Well, I have a quick question. Um, I'm minding my own business today and my email says, invitation to join web seminar as a panelist, city council meeting, special meeting, November 1st. Or, or uh, if it wasn't for the honor of the thing, maybe I just as soon not go, but um, is there any anything particular that, uh, that I might have to answer for? Uh it's a it's a it's a joint meeting of council planning commission drc and hpc uh it's it's a dialogue where council you know can talk about their vision uh, um, what they see the roles of the committees are and such so uh um there are the members of all of those boards are invited uh, so i don't yep. think you need we to view it a couple months ago but it, it fell through Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's basically okay. the one you hoped would have happened in September, but um, right. it ended up not having it. It ended up not having enough council members to have a quorum. Uh, <laughs> and good to and, know. Yeah, it was on a Saturday or something. It was yeah. a yeah. And to be clear, the, this will just be a council meeting where all the board members are simply invited. Therefore, if you all can't make it, it's okay. There doesn't need to be a quorum of each board. Just if you can make it, please do. Uh, we'd like to have as many of the board members there. Okay, good. I, I can probably do that. Okay. Did we have any other communication? And seeing none, thank you, everybody. And I will declare the meeting adjourned. Have a nice evening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Good night, Thank everybody. You. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good day.